Did everyone meet someone you don't know? Anybody here with someone you wish you didn't know? Raise your hand. Good. I have to tell you, one of the greatest privileges in all of life is to be a dad, to have children. And I have to tell you, I am supremely grateful to God that I am the father of grown-up children. Yes, life is good. It is very good. I love watching people with the little babies and, you know, carrying them around and, you know, trying to pack up everything. And those are great memories, aren't they? Memories, like the corner of my mind. One of the memories I have so vividly of our uh, daughters is the pacifier stage. Anybody here in the pacifier stage? No? Anybody here ever been in the pacifier stage? Oh, yes, you're shuddering right now. (laughs) Our daughters all... Because we want to do this scientifically, you know, we go to classes and they tell us all this stuff. And you probably, if, you, if, if you're going to have children, you need to know that if you have children, they're going to have a pacifier, like it or not. Unless you don't want to sleep for seven years. And if you can do that, you're fine. And what you find is, is that you don't, you buy a pacifier for your child, you buy the brand you can find again and again and again and again. Anybody with me? So we had binkies. Anybody have binkies? The association of the parents of the binky. And we, I think, with between three daughters, we bought between six and 75,000 binkies. <laughs> and what I found is that, you know, you know no matter how hard you try, if, 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 if you've ever had children, to get them to give up the binky, you know when they give up the binky? When they're ready. Exactly. And it's okay to let them have the binky until they grow out of the binky. Thank you. And I remember when our girls would bring home portraits that they'd made at a school, and some of them were of me and my wife. And she was always proportioned. And I always had the big head with the big, you know, things coming out the mouth. I thought they were, you know, bolting lights of fire or something, you know. But now my daughters, I'm proud to announce, no longer need binkies. Seriously, I'm really telling you the truth, 28, 24, and 19, and they're all out of the binky stage. It's a great memory. I'd be really embarrassed today, though, if I had to stand up here and tell you that my 20-something daughters, you know, my 28, 24, and 19, were on their, you know, still on their binkies. You know, we expect children to behave childlike. We know there's a difference between childishness and full-born rebellion, don't we, as, as a parent. 
We know the stages of growth. We expect our children to grow. We pray that they will grow. We want them to grow. And you know what we forget is if we're going to have really great, healthy, growing kids, they also have to have, believe it or not, this is the truth, this is scientifically proven, growing, healthy parents. Bingo. But one of the hardest things in the whole world is to keep growing. To keep growing emotionally, intellectually, and most of all, spiritually. To not just get stunted. To not have your faith just be a set of facts. Religious things you know or do. To grow. To develop. To be more today than you were a year ago. To have more faith and more strength and to have more daring than ever before to grow. And as we cast a vision for the gathering, a new way to be the church, we want to come together to celebrate the goodness of God. We gather to celebrate, but we also want to grow. We want to be different for having been together, right? Not just the same old religious. Have you ever been on religious people who haven't grown a day since the first day they got in the club? All they have is their certificate of membership to prove that they have any spiritual fruit whatsoever. They're basically just religious people with a big Bible. And their religion has made them mean, mad, and messed up. Ever met any of these people? Related to any of these people? (laughs) Live next to any of these people? Yes. Good. We want to grow. We want to gather to grow. We gather to celebrate and worship. And here's what I've learned. Whatever it is you worship will determine how you grow. Whatever you worship, if you worship money, you'll grow into that kind of person. If you worship power, you will grow into that kind of person. If you worship Jesus Christ, you will grow into the kind of person that he was and is. Does that make sense? So we want to grow. So in order to grow... We're told in the scriptures this. We must leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. And if you go to Hebrews 6 and you look at the list of things he talked about we should leave, they're pretty impressive. Things like the reason for baptism, the resurrection of the dead, and other kinds of theological issues we all ought to know about. But he said there's something far superior to that. And the superior to that is growing up into Christ. Growing up in our faith. And I'll tell you this, you cannot do that alone. That's why God has brought us together. We're gathering here. My prayer in my new office out back, my truck, (laughs) was that no one leaves the way you come in. So let me ask you a really hard question. Where are you right now? Now, I'm not talking about, well, I'm at at the Maxwell House. No, I'm I'm, I'm on the third row. No, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at a place where I'm just frustrated with the world. 
How many of you feel, you know, don't, don't vote, and don't vote for your spouse or your newfound friend, but how many of you day-to-day just kind of feel diminished? Because if the truth were known, you are in decline. You're kind of letting everything slip. You still got the smile on the face. You still have enough discipline to, to, to get up every day. But you can't remember the last time you truly read the Bible as a love story. You can't truly remember the last time you read any book that really moved you or touched you and stimulated you in some way. And it's very easy to get there. To get up every day and just repeat the same old thing that you've always done. Some of you would say, you know what, here's why I am. I feel apathetic. You know why? Because you're stagnant. The word apathetic means to be without feeling, without passion. Just apathetic because I'm stagnated. Have you ever, have you ever said things you don't mean? Because you don't really know any other way to express what you're feeling? At the end of the service, we're going to give an opportunity like we did last week and probably every week for you to come and pray. There'll be people here to pray, and Paul and I will be here and we'll stay as long as you want to stay. But one of the things that we found last week when people came by to pray is I heard this over and over. I just don't care anymore. And since I'm a pastor, well, I'm supposed to be a nice guy, but... Evidently, I'm free from that obligation. So, (laughs) I wanted to say, liar, liar, pants on fire. Because I said, you're here. You got up. You got here. You must care about something. But we say, have you ever found yourself saying that? You know why? Because we don't know what else to do. It's so painful and so difficult. We feel so caught and stagnated that we just, you know, it's a defense mechanism. Of course you care. You care a great deal. You care that you want to be a, a, a growing person to be the man or woman God created and had in mind. How about this? Some of you just feel overwhelmed because the the forces of change, you're facing the forces of change, and they are inevitable. They come, they, they flow. Here are two very simple facts we want to base our talk on today. I'm going to ask you to repeat them, okay? 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 All right. Sorry. Living things grow, growing things change. Living things grow, growing things change. One more time. Living things grow, growing things change. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, did you know living things grow and growing things change? I'm not kidding. Go on. I know you fought in the car. Go ahead and do it anyway. I don't care. Living things grow, growing things change. The only thing that doesn't change is the things that are dead. And they, they look pretty sad, don't they? 
Have you ever been at a funeral where people come up to some, you know, the, the person in the casket and they say, my, it looks so good. It looks dead to me. <laughs> if you're around when I'm dead, like me and Hal Wilson get taken out on a trip across the country on our motorcycles and, you know, we have a dual funeral or something like that, maybe. Hal, and you look at Hal and you say, Hal looks good. It's okay. But if you look at me and say, man, he looks good. I'm going to haunt you. You know, dead things don't look good. <laughs> they look dead. Have you ever gone to your, gone in your you know, you, you build a house and you have someone, you know, you pay them $759,000 to put in four shrubs. <laughs> and you, you call the guy up and say, you know, I'm not an Einstein, but I got a feeling that one of my shrubs is dead. <laughs> but how would you know? Because one's green and one's not. <laughs> Living things grow growing things change. It is the rhythm of life. It is the will of God. It is his pattern and it is his plan. So if living things grow and growing things change, why is it that we resist change so vehemently? Living things grow, growing things change, change creates friction. How many of you know it's so easy to get in a routine? Even those of us who consider ourselves edgy, you know, edgy people. Those are just people who want to wear weird clothes in public, you know, edgy. We all just kind of get in this routine. And when change happens, it creates friction. We've got to do something different. We've got to reenter our life a different way. We've got to relate to different people. How many of you find yourself just wanting to relate to the people you already know? They're not particularly nice people. You just know how messed, they, messed up they are, and you're kind of okay with that. <laughs> you would like to have a better class of loser, I mean, a better class of friend, but you just, you know, it's... Living things, growing things change. Change creates friction. Friction creates fear. How will I be able to live in this new reality? God is birthing a new thing called the gathering. I, I'm, I'm a, I have a little fear. Is that okay? Okay, good. Because, you know, when you, living things grow, growing things change, things create friction, and friction creates fear. Fear is not a bad thing. Fear can either paralyze you or motivate you. So fear creates inertia. Living things grow. Growing things change. Change creates friction. Friction creates fear. And fear creates inertia. Basically it says, you know what? I know this is bad. I know it's going to change. I know I'm going to have to do life differently. But I'm not going to do it until it gets so painful that someone physically moves me into action. And so we resist change. And we think it's all bad when the truth of the matter is growing things. That's right. That's a sign of, of life. So why do we resist change when it really is? Have you ever, ever made this prayer? Oh, God. Oh, God. Just, just take me to a new level, Lord. Anybody ever pray that? 
Oh, God, just answer my prayer. Give me a new house. Which is going to cost more money, which means you're going to have to make more income, which means you're going to have to go to a new level and get a, probably get a new job and exert more energy and learn new information and go to a new place. And you said, I don't know. I want the Benny Hinn house. I want to just thank you, Lord. And it's just poof. There it is. <laughs> or is that his name? I don't know. But Benny. Whatever. You know, I just want to pray it into existence. Do you ever notice how we spiritualize everything as Christians? Oh, God, just give me, oh, God. And it's just, if you're like really serious, you go, oh, God. It's like constipation. <laughs> oh, God, please. You know, and God says, you know what? You want a you you higher standard of living? You want a you greater relationship? You want a you marriage? You want to you you know, you find someone who might marry you one day? You know, not just Mr. Right now, but Mr. Right? Okay, good. Now, how about you growing into the kind of person that can tolerate the kind of success and growth and abundance you're asking me to pour into your life. If you don't believe that, just ask people what, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's extremely high the number of people who win the lottery and who broke within two years. Why don't we grow? We overestimate the importance of comfort. This is comfortable. You know, I'm miserable, but it's, it's, a, it's a misery I'm comfortable with. You know, I live in a neighborhood and all the neighbors are just, the, you know, the bottom of the barrel, but they're at least my barrel, you know. I know this, this you know, this slipping, you know, slipping this alcohol is going to kill me, but at least, you know, I probably have got three or four more years. Uh, you know, or, or, or all the justification that we do in our mind. We're miserable, but we're kind of miserable in a way we've learned how to tolerate. At least this is a misery I can deal with. If I launch out and grow, maybe do something different, oh my God, what would happen? How about this? We buy into the illusion of control. The bind to the illusion of control. Listen to what Jesus said. Look at the birds. They don't worry about what to eat. They don't need to sow or reap or store up food. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Are and are you far more valuable to Him than they are? Now He made that as a statement. We hear it always as a question. Are you more valuable to God than the birds? Will? As long as I, as long as I pray, or as long as I, you know, read the Bible, or as long as I, you know, it's always something, isn't it? As long as I'm a good person, no, no, no. Your value to God has nothing to do with your behavior or your lifestyle. That's true. Amen, brother. <laughs> And if you believed that, it would change your life. If you believed that you were loved as you are, that you are now the beloved, that God is favorably disposed towards you now. Einstein said, if I had one question to ask God, to ask the universe, it would be, are you friendly? My questions to God have never been about his abilities. 
It's always been about his motives toward me. I can believe that God loves you. But I have a hard time believing that God can love a pastor who's been publicly, you know, fired. That's that's just the truth. So I'm okay for you guys. And I'll just live with my own demons because I'd just soon be miserable as be happy. Like you. But Jesus does ask the question, will all your worries add a single moment to your life? And the answer is, of course not. Have you ever, have you ever prayed and it's really more like putting in your order? Okay, God, here's my order and I'll pull over to the side. It's like McDonald's. I know I'm going to have to pull over to the side and wait. Because this is like extra ketchup or extra something. This isn't just an off the assembly line meal. This is extra stuff. So I'll wait. But the day you realize that trusting God means trusting him with the results will be the day you step out of a religious prison. As you should never let anyone else put you back here. Why don't we grow? Do we overestimate the importance of comfort or the illusion of control, but most of us just don't know the way or the process. We just don't know. We've never been taught. We've never been told. We've gone to church. I went to five churches this morning. I shouldn't have. It wasn't right. It wasn't God's will for my life, but I'm an addict. I'm a church addict, and I got to go to church. No sympathy whatsoever. Just like, well, you you can suffer alone with that one, dude. That's one disease I don't have. Amen. God bless you. But you know what I was looking for? Good news. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for something that I couldn't have gotten from a positive mental attitude tape. I was looking for good news. I was looking for some way to press deeper into God. I was looking to be around people who were hungry, and I was. And I often wonder if we don't go to church hungry, and we'll leave hungry. Because for all the sermons I've heard in my life, very few of them have ever really fed me. Many have, don't get me wrong. But I couldn't say most. Because Christian preachers just have one note. You know, turn or burn, die or fry, while we go to the sky. It's in seminary 101. Rather than, how, about, how practical is this verse? Any enterprise is built by wise planning, becomes strong through common sense, profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. That's a pretty good, sensible, three-pronged approach, isn't it? If you would let the Bible, it could be very practical. And the process that it presents could help you grow constantly. I don't pretend to to give all of the ways or the process, but let me just give you four directions of a growing godly life. 
the four directions of a growing godly life. What I hear most of my life when we talk about growing is people say, what I want to do is I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. And what, what I fear is people really say, I want to go deeper into myself. I want to go deeper into myself. I want to go deeper into the mysteries that are me. Dude, you're not that complicated. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're messed up. You're screwed up about like the rest of us. Going deeper into yourself will just make you more self-centered, more, more, more bathed in self-doubt, and more paralyzed by fear. Growing is not just growing in. There are four directions of a growing godly life. The first is we're here to grow together. We grow together in love. If anyone says, I love God and he hates his brother, he is a liar. You know what that means in the Greek? He is a liar. (laughs) Isn't that just so simple? You say you love your brother, say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. How? Why? For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I love God. I love Jesus Christ. I've never seen Jesus Christ. But I know he is real. Like Wesley said when he was converted, I, my heart was, war- was strangely warm. I was abducted when I, my last weeks of my 17th birthday. Didn't want to be religious. God knows I didn't want to be a preacher. But he's real. How do I know he's real? By faith. I have rational evidence, but it's all come to me by faith. What's the antidote to fear? Faith. What gets you off the inertia? Faith. You do something. You move. You make a decision. Now, how are we supposed to grow? Together. We're people who are seeking after God, want to live by faith. We love God. We're living in his love. There's not a day that any of us will ever live one more moment outside his love. We're not here seeking him. He has sought us brought us here. Why in God's name are so many of us here on a Sunday afternoon at five o'clock? It is, my bedtime is <laughs> one hour and 45 minutes away. I mean, you know, I mean, you got to be computer savvy to come here. And then on top of that, just to see if you're any good, we close the interstate. Yes. <laughs> You guys are, yeah, you guys are the creme of the la creme, you know. Some of you are saying, really? Golly, I didn't know. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you. We got to grow together in love. What do I mean? Here are a couple of things. We got to start taking care of each other. Amen. We got to stop this coming in here and walking out of each other's lives and never asking the next question. 
We gotta start taking care of each other. We gotta start watching each other's back. We gotta start waiting for each other. Call me if you need me. I'm not calling you, dude. I'll be dead three days. I'm not calling you. Because big boys don't cry and big boys don't call people and say, I need some help. It's just the godly Christian American way. Can I hear that? We gotta start understanding that we are worthy of each other's love and admiration. Listen to this. Just as there are many parts in our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are, uh, we are all parts of it. And listen to this. And it takes every one of us to make it complete. Every one of us to make it complete. How many of you know that God gave you a small toe for finding furniture in the dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. And have you ever found any furniture in the dark and gone through this mental exercise in your mind? Your legs say, there's a tingling sensation somewhere. <laughs> Your arms say, my, that's interesting. (laughs) Your brain says, someone's sending us a message. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that when your big toe hurts, your whole body from the head to your feet move in sympathy to that pain? Isn't that interesting? And isn't it also interesting that the metaphor that God uses in the scripture about his people is not a building, but a body? And he says, you may think you're a little toe, but every other member of that body moves in support of you when you're in pain. That is God's way. And anything short of that is religion, and anything that is just merely religion, rules and regulation, is toxic. We've got to grow together in love. We've got to find ways of the gathering to not let each other just come and go. Here's the way we grow together in love, is we don't ever allow each other to eat alone again. You see someone and you're leaving tonight and they look like, you know, well, I'm, I, I, I've come alone, I'm leaving alone. Just say, hey, we're going to go out and eat. Are you going to, I'm hungry, man. I haven't, you know, eaten all day. No, no if you've got a big four. I'm assuming you're probably going to go out and eat. And just say, come, come and eat with us. Isn't it interesting that in the New Testament, Jesus taught his disciples the major bulk of what he wanted them to know dur- during a meal. Isn't it interesting that he said goodbye to them at a meal? Isn't it interesting that he washed their feet in preparation for a meal? We're to remember his death and his resurrection through a symbolic meal. 
We grow together in love. We are going to love each other. Amen? Good, bad, up and down. We're going to love each other and prove to the world that we are different. We are growing. We accept people not by their politics, lifestyle. We, we love them and value them because they're worthy of our love and respect because they're created by God. Amen. Let's get that. <laughs> We're going to grow together in love. We're going to grow up into Christ. Up into Christ. Listen to this. We will lovingly follow the truth at all times. Speaking the truth, dealing truly, living truly, so we can become more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his building, the head of his what? Body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly, and each part in its own special way helps the other part, so the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Wouldn't it be cool if the 400,000 plus churches in this country were healthy, growing, and full of love? Don't you think that we would be making an impact on our culture if that were true? That'd be worthy of our effort, prayer, wouldn't it? I came here 16 years ago. Somebody asked me, why in God's name does Nashville need another church? And my response to them then is, as it is today, we don't. Not like the ones we have. There are plenty of places for Christians to go. But what about those of us who want to be free? Who want to who who live the life we were created? Who want to know Jesus without all the religious stuff? And I feel the need to have all these pedigrees. They simply want to be the church. See, my parents were raised during the go-to-church generation. They go to church. I asked my mother, why do we go to church? Because good people go to church. I said, mother, have you been looking around at the people who go to our church? (laughs) Mother, I asked my mother, I said, do you get anything out of this? No, we just go to church. <laughs> I asked my dad, do you think? No, I just go to church. My dad was on the parking lot committee. We had one parking lot that, that you could park 30 cars in. We had 800 people every Sunday morning. I'm saying, Dad, you're not doing a very good job. <laughs> Where's the parking lot? He said, that's why I'm on the parking lot committee. So there's a parking lot. Park in it. We want to be a part of, of a move of God. That's what I want to be a part of. I've seen it happen. I want to continue to see it happen. I want to go together in love. We want to grow up into Christ. Third, we want to grow to, out in ministry. Together in love, up in to Christ and out in ministry. Why is it that God gives such special abilities for us to do certain things best? It's that God's people will be equipped to do better work for him, building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. To build up to strength and maturity. All of us have 
spiritual gifts. Those gifts are intended to be discovered and deployed in ministry in the pursuit of a mission. Every person is gifted. Every gift has a purpose. Every purpose has a ministry. Every ministry has a mission and every mission matters to God. So, wouldn't it be cool if, as the gathering grew, grows, that we would be involved in all kinds of ministry stuff? Where we didn't wait for the ordained guy to give us permission, that we fed the hungry that we cared for the sick and the dying, that we would minister to widows, that we would do something in this town worthy of attention, worthy of a newspaper article, where we bent down to serve and to minister. Wouldn't it be cool that if every person in the gathering understood that their ministry is to be engaged as a missionary. Not just a member. The church I was raised in, I don't know if you know this, I went back and was on staff. The church I was raised in for two years. Is that a hoot? I actually was preaching to people who actually held me in the nursery and graded me in high school and who disciplined me in other ways. And so when I was on staff, I, I found out that I'm a little, from a little town, about 11, 12,000 people. We have five, get this, 5,000 members. I'm like, man, this is great. 5,000 members in a town of 11,000 people. Man, we, you know, we, we can get some stuff done. But what I found out was about 3,670 3, of them were dead or lived somewhere else. I'm thinking, if you don't live here, you don't go here, why don't you not be a member here? Oh, but membership is sacred. No, it's not. Membership's whatever. Ministry is sacred. The mission is sacred. People are sacred. What if we grew together in love? What if we, gather, we grew up in Christ? What if we grew out in ministry? And what if we grew more, okay, are you with me? Through running down other people so they'd come here. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be great? We could stand outside other, I know some churches in town, we could stand outside just, you know, maybe go down to Christ Church and pick it in the parking lot. Say, come to the gathering. L.H. <laughs> Hardwick is, is a heretic. Now, I would only say that because he would, he would laugh at that. How does the church grow more? When America grows more by just shuffling the sheep back and forth between Whatever. But in the New Testament, the idea is that the church would grow more through conversion. 
through that amazing thing that only Jesus Christ can do when he converts the human heart. Those who accepted this message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to that number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Again, around a meal. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as they had need. Here it is. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, a meal, ate together, a meal, with gladness and sincerity of hearts. They praised God, and they enjoyed the contempt of all the people. Right? Here's what you and I could be a part of changing. Hear me. We're going to talk about this next week. Generosity. But here's what you learn. You get back in life what you give. It's called the law of reciprocity. It's a divine law. If the church in America continues through the religious right or, or whatever other group this is, if we continue to be negative and mean-spirited and condemning, if we condem- continue to condemn political systems that we don't agree with, if we continue an a angry debate in the public square That is the wave of what our children are going to live with as this society reacts back. What we should be is a force for change with a deep abiding conviction that the good news of Jesus Christ can change the human heart. And when the heart changes, everything else changes. Until the heart changes, nothing else changes. We've got to move from being men and women who have a private faith that is very meaningful but publicly irrelevant to people who have a private faith that is very meaningful but is displayed in the public square. Not by denominational rancor or division, but by what we believe together. What do we believe together? Do we not believe together that Jesus Christ and the human heart is the hope of the world? The only way your family is going to change if they have a converted heart. Our unity is Jesus. We don't need uniformity. Praise the Lord. Well, let's just practice. Some of you don't agree with that. I can tell you. I want uniformity. We can all wear uniforms. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Jeans, black shirt, shaved head. That'd be good. <laughs> let, me prove, let me prove what I mean. Now, how, how, how the sweetness of Jesus sounds. When I say three, I want all of you to just scream out your first name. Are you with me? This is not hard. Like one, two, three, and you're going to scream out your first name. One, two, three. <laughs> this lady right here woke up just for that. Okay, all right. Okay, <clears throat> all right. Okay, so on three, I want you to scream out 
the city, just the city you were born in. And don't say, well, I'm a military family. You were born somewhere. (laughs) Pick out a city, okay? All right. You're going to scream out the city in which you were born. One, two, three. Okay. All right. That's, that was pitiful. Okay. Now, on three, let's scream out the name of the one. Uh, let's scream out the name of the one we came here to worship. One, two, three. Jesus. Yeah, that sounds a lot better, doesn't it? See, our unity is Christ, not some doctrine about Christ, not some view. I'm just about done, Dave. Thank you. I've been getting the high sign back there. Like, hurry up and leave. Hurry up and down. Yeah, we, we didn't have this problem in Hotel, hotel PS. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Do you think you've lived your best day yet? No. no. Do you want to be among a movement of other men and women who are growing in their full God-given potential? who have the ability to impact culture and change the world, not by guns and knives and words of hate, but by love and grace and meaningful relationships? Wouldn't it be cool to be a part of the body in this wallless, wireless, worn-out world that wasn't limited by a a, a space or a time? Whatever it is you're here for, this evening. God already knew he's here. He's ready to meet that need. You bow your head and pray with me. Father, we bow now. We come to you. We confess our brokenness and our sin. We confess, we repent, we change our mind and we're willing to turn the direction we were going and Go your way. Father, I pray for someone who is here tonight who just feels just like they don't care anymore. It's been so hard and so dry for so long. Someone is here tonight and they're right at the edge of a breakthrough to go from a place of non-belief to a place of of not just belief of a certain set of facts, Jesus, but a converted heart, a changed life, a changed mind, a renewed mind. Father, I pray you'll reach out now through your Holy Spirit, that you'll touch every heart and every mind and every life. I'm going to ask you if you just stand together right now. And uh, after you stand, if you just stand there one second. If you're here with someone, maybe your spouse or someone you know, just hold their hand just a second. If you want to hold hands with the person next to you you don't know, that's okay with me or not. 
Father, we stand before you now. We bow our heads in humble submission. I pray for that person who needs to say yes to Jesus tonight, to say, yes, Lord, I trust you. I confess my own brokenness, my sin, my past, my, he- my habits, the path I'm on that's going to kill me. And I turn my life over to you. I pray for my brother here tonight who needs a breakthrough. I pray as he stands here with his head bowed, Father, that you will touch his heart and touch his mind and touch his life. I pray for people who've come here tonight with burdens so deep and heavy, and they want to pray after the service. Down front, as they come and find a friendly face and extend their hand and say, would you pray for me? That divine work would be done. That we would grow up in these moments. I pray as people leave here, that you'll give them an extra sensitivity, maybe to stop and speak to someone and get to know them, to touch their lives, to open themselves up for a new relationship and a new possibility. Father, bless us this week as we go and as we are the body of Christ, as we are the church. Not just go to church or go do church or go do church work, but to go do the work of the body. I give these amazing men and women to you, their lives, their homes. In Jesus' name, amen. You like to greet down here? I'll be here.